Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Hi everyone, this is Carol Topp from homeschoolcpa.com and welcome to the Homeschool Leader Podcast here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I recorded a webinar back in June, on June 1st, 2020. And this is now being recorded in September, three months later. The webinar was designed for homeschool leaders who were in a very difficult position trying to make decisions about their future, the future of their the programs and the groups they led in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of things had changed for homeschool groups. They couldn't uh, figure out if they would be allowed to meet in their buildings or if they had some certain health requirements, social distancing, mask wearing, sanitization, things like that. So the webinar was me and three other homeschool leaders who agreed to talk about the whole process of how they make decisions, what decisions they came to, and in June, how they were planning the future. So I have taken the highlights of that webinar and broken it into the six different podcast episodes, which will be kind of the highlight reel of the webinar. If you want to watch the webinar, because there are slides to go with it, as well as see the panelists as they're talking, you might enjoy that. Uh, It is available on YouTube. Um, You can uh, Google on YouTube, Homeschool CPA webinar, something like that. Or you can find it in the show notes to this podcast episode and the following podcast episodes. And you can always find the show notes over at homeschoolcpa.com slash podcast. And then look for podcast numbers 197 through uh, 202. And you will find the show notes there. I hope you find what the panelists say helpful as they talk about how they make decisions, answer questions from the audience, and in general, just get an idea of what other leaders do and how they run their organizations. Even if you're not trying to figure out an uncertain future like they were, and we still are here sitting in the fall, it's things are still very uncertain how they're going to play out in the next few months with the pandemic still raging here in the United States. But I think you'll just find it to be a very helpful webinar as many people have and have watched it and will benefit from it. So um, sit back, enjoy the highlight reel, or go check out the whole webinar. It's uh, available to you at no charge at all, uh, just to my way of helping homeschool leaders run their organizations as successfully as they possibly can. You, you all have already shared a little bit about some of the ideas, what you're uh, thinking about doing in the fall. Um, here's a couple thoughts I had. Uh, when, you, when you assess what people really need, and I think Amanda Campbell, you kind of touched on this. Maybe I heard you say this, that, that there are real needs versus felt needs. And, and you probably want to um, address more of the real needs that your, your families have, your members have, and the real need for connection for encouragement and for support. Sometimes I think our, our families think, I need a class for my kid. I need someone to help me homeschool this child. You know, I need biology dissection. That's a felt need. But the real need is, no, you need an encouragement and support that you can help your child learn biology dissection, for example. So, you know, the content 
of, of what to school and how to homeschool is easily available everywhere, right? Uh, there's almost too much content, too many choices of homeschooling, even online classes. Your group doesn't have to offer them. They're available somewhere else. But connection mom to mom, that's what's harder to find. And that is what is not available anywhere. So I think you, Amanda Campbell in Rhode Island, were talking about trying like a match.com for homeschool families. I love that idea. So let's, let's if we can, with, with the restrictions that we might have to live under, let's not forget about mom's night out and include the newbies. Or how about the good old fashioned support group meetings, some of which have died you know, in the past few years. They might need to be resurrected at this time. Again, it's easier to meet with just adults than try to accommodate kids. I think if you take care of mom, the kids will be taken care of. So my heart is to try to take care of mom. And maybe you can offer things like field trips, again, including the newbies. So that was a, this slide was prepared a, over a week ago, but it led in very easily as an answer to what Doreen was asking. All these things are ways you can accommodate new to homeschooling folks, even if they can't attend some of your programs or your in-person classes because you're full or restricted. Um, so when you're thinking about what you can offer in the fall, I think someone else who said consider longer breaks. I've heard this before, like either delaying the start or quitting by Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think Amanda in Ohio, you mentioned that. Um, small groups, maybe they meet in homes, not the larger groups. Inside, outside, online, we've talked about that. And also different offerings for the different ages. Obviously, like I think Amanda Campbell said, it's really hard to do online uh, connections with young children, but the junior and senior highs can handle that. So maybe you can only offer some um, online learning for the older kids and unfortunately not as much programming for the youngers. That's just the way it is. And that's okay if that's what you have to do. Let's, let's go back to our final, our final topic is how are you communicating this plan to your members? You know, um, have you ever heard of the seven touches that in marketing, people who do marketing to us as consumers realize that a, a consumer needs to hear about a product up to seven times before they will purchase. So you might want to think about that aspect of human nature. When you try to communicate something to your members, you might have to do it seven times. Okay. Like you might need to send an email more than once, a Facebook post several times, put it on your website, which is good, but not everybody goes to visit your website. So then you need to retell them there's something on the website via text, uh, I am in uh, maybe Facebook Live if you've never done that. Um, maybe good old fashioned phone calls and maybe some of you use messaging apps or, or ways to communicate with your group as a whole, but please communicate over and over and over again many times what your plans are and if the plans have to change. Let's see, panel, tell me about how you are communicating your plans at this point with your members or what you plan, how you plan to communicate. Who's gonna start us off? Go ahead, Amanda Sillen, go ahead. Um, well, so we have been communicating, you know, through our Facebook group and just posting things out and through our email loop. Um, another way that we're communicating that is on their registration. Um, we've, we've tried to include all of the COVID information as well as all of the information about our co-op so that they have to read down through all of this information. There's waivers that are linked that they can download and then re-upload um, when they're completed and then they have to sign it. And so we're really just trying to communicate just like what you said in a multiple ways 
and just can communicate early, communicate often. Um, and also just being open to listen. It doesn't mean that anything's going to change, but I'm here to listen. I feel the same frustrations a lot of these other parents are feeling. And that is the support group part of this that I think a lot of people are needing is just to know that, you know, it's going to look different this year, but we're going to get through it. It's going to go back to how it was hopefully. And, um, and we can just listen and, you know, understand as much as we can and try to move forward with compassion for each other and support. So um, that would just be uh, what we're doing and, and how I would say as a support group leader to try and engage with your membership. We have people that are passionately like we should not be meeting. There's no meeting. And then we have people that are passionately like, this is a hoax. We're all meeting and we're just kind of in the middle of trying to uh, find this good ground where we can help as many people as we can. So. Thank you. Amanda Campbell, did you have your hand up? You want to share how you communicate? So we historically have communicated mostly through Facebook and email, but what we found since um, COVID first hit is that a lot of our members have either disengaged from Facebook because it's too much <laughs> or, and or, we also haven't been as active because we don't have a million things to post and tell you about and remember, don't come with sniffles and all that stuff. I think our Facebook algorithms have also changed. And so even when we are sharing and people are still on Facebook, they're not necessarily seeing our posts. Oh, no. And I think that's an important thing to remember. So, so we are trying to do, like you said, seven ways, whatever, multiple uh, emails and, and can, trying to be a little more active on Facebook and create more community on Facebook. I think a lot of us were in a stunned place for a while. And so there was, there was a real hole in our community. People weren't even that normally are very active, weren't very active. And so I feel like we almost have to start again with like building a Facebook algorithm with our membership board, mm -hmm. our membership. So that's an interesting thing. The other thing that we will probably do when we finally make a decision is um, to host a town hall and we'll do it obviously via Zoom, um, but to be able to communicate, not just in writing, through Facebook and, and email, but that verbal communication for a lot of people, I'm one of those people, I'd much rather have a conversation um, and be able to talk it out. Not, it's not gonna be, a, you know, it's up for change or discussion, but like, how can I, how can we explain to you how we came to this decision? We also as a board have spent a lot of energy working on trying to be more and more transparent in our process and our decision making. So I think the point of the town hall is also to, to be that, to be able to say, this is how we came to this decision so that it, we aren't, you know, the board who makes the decisions, you know. <laughs> um, I'm just a homeschool mom trying to work it out too, you know. Um, but to help people understand the decision making process and all that we did to get there. And then also to invite them, encourage them to be part of how how we be creative about moving forward and connecting in new ways because i don't pretend to know all the answers 
you know, our, our other leaders and our members are going to come up with great ideas too. And um, so we hope that they'll engage with us that way. That's good. Thank you. Angela, did you want to add anything there about communicating? We are, we're doing basically the same kind of things. We, we have a town hall scheduled right before we ask our members to pay and at the end of July. So we wanted to have that discussion with them once we were closer to our start date. And um, just so that way we can answer any questions because hopefully we'll know more information about what our requirements are, what the guidelines um, that our host uh host church has set down along with our city. And then we want to discuss that with them and allow people the opportunity to, at that point say, okay, we're a go or yeah, we're going to sit this one out. Um, so yeah, that's how. Thank you. Thank you all so much for sharing all that. We are um, wrapping up and heading into a final Q and a, if our panelists would be so gracious to stay around a little bit longer. Again, I want to remind you uh, the Facebook group. I am a homeschool group leader. If you didn't get your questions answered, we'll take a few more, but if it's off topic or something, pop it over there. And um, we've got 1400 leaders that might help answer it. Not just uh, our three panelists, wonderful as they've been. And a reminder, someone already asked about uh, what was that mentoring program again, that homeschool CPA is trying to help um, mentor uh, folks to help homeschool leaders, you can find out information at homeschoolcpa.com mentoring. So um, we're going to take some final Q&A here and Doreen can come back on and ask some questions. Uh, again, remembering our, our dear panelists who we thank very much, but they're not the medical experts, legal experts, certainly not experts in your group, nor are they predictors of the future? So Doreen, I bet there's more questions, aren't there? There are all kinds of questions, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to try and pick some that are more common. Have, okay. have any of you drilled down to the level of uh, how you would actually uh, organize your classrooms if you are meeting in person? For example, handling supplies, having students sit you know, distance. I think Amanda Sillen talked about um, gathering for meals and things like that. Um, but, you know, and also, will you uh, be managing the younger set, the K through two? Uh, you know, they have more challenges, I, I assume. Okay. So, anybody drilled down that far yet, or is that something you're putting off for later in the summer? Anybody want to answer? Go ahead, Amanda Sillen. A little bit, <laughs> That's a little bit. Um, so organizing classrooms, um, our classrooms are fairly large. So, I mean, we are um, spacing desks six feet apart. Uh, we actually had to get some desks because the desks that we had in our classrooms were really large and made for two students at a desk. And so, um, and we own all of our furniture. It, it was donated, but it's ours. So we actually had to go buy some furniture, um, which is, was a first, uh, to get smaller desks that could be spaced out. So kids wouldn't be sitting right beside each other. Um, I know in Ohio, the rules are a little bit different for younger kids that are like preschool age, but I'm not super familiar with them. Um, and it's something that we're still working on. Uh, one of the things that we are doing is frequent cleaning. We've already talked to teachers about at the end of your class, the last five minutes of your class. Um, we have spray that is a 3% peroxide spray, which 
everybody likes that spray. I, I never knew that there were such strong opinions about Lysol in my <laughs> life, but there are. And so like um, using this like 3% peroxide spray is like approved by the CDC and also approved by the Crunchy Moms. And so we're like, this is great. Um, and so just wiping down all the desks um, at the end of class as students leave, um, spray, even spraying down things like markers and scissors and stuff like that. Um, when all of this started, my, my son runs a landscaping company and somebody said, what's the weirdest thing you've had to sterilize? And he said, well, uh, if anybody lays down a chainsaw, you have to spray it when you lay it down and you have to spray it before you pick it back up. And I'm like, that is so crazy. Your Lysol, your chainsaw. Um, but you know, it is stuff like that, that you have to really think about. Um, Oh, man, someone's, someone's asking, what is the name of that spray? <laughs> uh, oxide, hydrogen peroxide. You get it at the the, the store in a brown bottle. Oh, it's, yeah. it's just regular hydrogen peroxide, and you just spray it. And then you can get um, – we have a mom that handles all of this. It's not me. I like Lysol. Um, but we have another mom that handles all this and she does, she gets like this stronger version of this and she mixes a cup of hydrogen peroxide with a gallon of water and it makes it 3% hydrogen peroxide and then it's oh. safe to use around people. So um, Google, it. Google, the, right, Google, Google that, please don't take my <laughs> advice. <laughs> um, but yeah, things like that. Um, we've struggled with lunchtime uh, really because our gymnasium is, about 3,000 square feet and we have sometimes we have up to 100 families and when, when you say 75 families and you're talking about a co-op that can be 200 kids easy and so then thinking how do you fit 200 kids into 3,000 square feet well folks you don't <laughs> not during COVID-19 you don't so we've talked about um, inviting people to go to lunch in their cars um, eat outside spaced out um, basically telling people uh, that we're going to split lunch so that you can't uh, eat everybody in the cafeteria or even doing lunch in classrooms, which I hate because it means we got to be super vigilant about getting the trash out. But, um, you know, it, it's really just stuff like that. Um, somebody had asked me about taking temperatures. Um, we're not taking temperatures when people walk in the building. We are not qualified to do that. I'm not a nurse. And that is private health information and um that was the recommendation given to us by the nurse the person that knows is you're not a nurse and it's hard to take a temperature with a no touch temperature thing and they need to take their temperature at home and affirm they don't have a fever when they come in and so i was like oh that makes total sense i'm not a nurse why would i take temperatures um so just things like that um we've gotten rid of our sign-in sheet we're doing that on a computer um, where this, the security person signs everybody in and out. Um, but yeah, I mean, You've done really a lot. Amanda, thinking you, about you have, You've done a lot. yeah, it's great. My great. mom's a nurse. If people say you've done a lot because you do accounting things and you're like, this wasn't hard. I'm in accounting. My mom's a nurse. She just gave me a list. <laughs> I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Homeschool leader. Do you feel confused or overwhelmed by the job of running your homeschool group? You're not alone. Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA, is here to help. Carol is an accountant, author, and retired homeschool mom who understands you. Her website has helpful information on co-ops, paying workers, and managing the money in a homeschool group. 
If you need personalized advice, set up a consultation with Carol. She's happy to discuss your particular situation. Visit homeschoolcpa.com today and get the information you need to successfully run your homeschool group.